Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, joined as always by former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley, and we are here to talk about the Falcons' 30 to 28 win against the Dolphins. Ovi, they got the win after the bye week, and they've evened things up at three and three. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good because I um, almost didn't feel good because I was so scared. <laughs> and we were down, um, and I, I hate the here we go again moment because every week it's a here we go again moment that we're fighting. Not you to wanted go the opposite. You wanted and, the yeah. hey, it's the fourth quarter. Um, let me take it easy moment. And I we, just wanted to relax and to eat my not food possible. with my wings and have my little chips and dip and <laughs> not worry about like. Falcons potentially grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory. I couldn't do that. I, I, I was couldn't go to the bathroom, couldn't leave the room. I had to watch the game just to make sure I saw exactly how this crumbled or didn't crumble. <laughs> and Matty Ice, my boy Matthew, and Kyle Pitts, woo, that felt good. It felt good just watching them <laughs> come back and do something to show that it is a new era. Was It was good for the soul. Yeah, they. I mean, they've made a habit of of winning games late this season, which is a really good thing and a positive step in the right direction. But we are recording this on a Monday afternoon to take everybody behind the scenes a little bit, and you'll get it Tuesday morning. But the reason for that is because I was in Chicago celebrating my uh, lovely wife's birthday, and hey. I was following this game as much as I could on my phone and through ESPN GameCast and also Twitter. So I was getting just tweet notifications <laughs> of uh, Falcons accounts oh, that I follow oh, or reporters oh. <laughs> just freaking out. Just be kind of, yeah. you know, like game day Twitter lingo where it, it's not actually coherent sentences. It's just like, what? With like five A's and four exclamation points. And it's like, I have no idea what this means. And then yep. 15 minutes later, you finally get the, the play update from ESPN. Yep. So that's how my day was going. And I finally got a chance to rewatch it um, while waiting for our flight last night. Uh, and then I, you know, I checked it out again today in preparation for this. Um, I think there's a lot to dig into with this game. Uh, the most important thing is that they won and that they're three and three. But because it's coming out a little bit later than we usually would do for our reaction podcast, I really want to delve more into what is this team? They are three and three. They're definitely in the thick of it. I mean, they're now in third place in the NFC South with a chance for the next couple of weeks to really move into second place uh, with a couple of wins here and kind of put themselves right into contention for a playoff spot. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but that is in play because of how this team has played. Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> they, I don't know if they've had a comfortable win yet, to your no. point. And it's no. It's not like they're playing uh, the hardest of schedule. So there's definitely two sides of that coin. And that's what Ovi and I will really be talking about on today's episode. But first, before we get into that, let's hear from today's sponsor. We know you're listening to a football podcast, but basketball season is firing right back up and the Hawks are good now. Who, I mean, who's excited for that? So just wanted to take a second and let you guys all know that Bet Online has a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, along with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. I mean, what else do you want there? So check it out this basketball season and who knows, maybe uh, make a few smart bets on the Hawks while you're at it. I 
think this could be a really fun year, guys. Trey Young could be the real deal here in Atlanta, and this is a really good young team. So just remember that BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V, 50, to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. So remember, BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, Ovi, let's start with the game. Uh, Again, win, a good win, a road win um, against a team that before the season had a lot of expectations on it. Where should we start? Let's start with Kyle Pitts. How about that? The Falcons drafted a stud. A stud is, uh, and uh, I know it's only like game five, six, wherever we're at now. Uh, <laughs> and I know that we haven't played the greatest of the defenses out there, but he has shown us what is in store for Falcons fans. And this is what we've been wanting for the longest time. We've been begging for this. And, like, was it a fluke when no one was there? We, we spoke about this. If Cal Pitts can maintain what he did when Calvin really comes back and show that, hey, this is where I live. I live in this 100-plus-yard territory, game in, game out. I live in this making big plays on third down. I live in this, uh, you know, goal line, touchdown, reliable machine. That That's his new space, and I like it. I like that he likes it, even though he's given us that, Julio vibe where press conferences, he's like, so excited and uh, grateful. Uh, I love that he, he, puts, he puts he the glasses like, on. Like he, oh my it's God. Like Clark he, Kent he does and not Superman. care. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I get it. It's just like, it's, it's you know, a day at work. So it, it's cool that, that Julio vibes where he's not getting hype. He's, you know, no Ocho Cinco, yeah. no TO for us, no Odell Beckham. We get Julio and Kyle where nothing is going to happen that you don't expect to happen. But for Kyle Pitts yeah. to do what he did for this game was fantastic and a great sign for the Falcons in their rebuild-ish kind of year. Yes, uh, he caught seven passes for 163 yards. Uh, some of them incredible catches, yeah. like his one-handed grab uh, oh. down the left sideline, which I talk about Twitter. Some people, I think, were really, really uh, overselling that catch. I tweeted that out. Some people fought back at me. I mean, I get it, but it's, like, we've seen that catch before. It's not the greatest catch of all time. Really good catch. Great players. You expect them to make that catch. I expect yeah. Kyle Pitts to be a great player. That was an awesome play. Not, oh, my God, Kyle Pitts is, is the greatest athlete ever. Like, that, <laughs> we can, kinda, we kinda can chill Jesus. sometimes. Like, we, not everything has to be the best or the worst ever in the history of anything. On Twitter, anyway, it does. My, Will, on, Twitter on Twitter, it does. It does. You're forgetting yeah. that. On Twitter, it does. Um. But I'll get off my soapbox because my favorite part of the game actually came from that one-handed catch that we were just talking about. And at that moment, it was just before halftime. The Dolphins had been driving down the field. It looked like they were going to score a touchdown, really um, cut into the momentum the Falcons had. And I believe at that point, they would have, they would have taken back the lead. And Jalen Hawkins intercepts the pass in the end zone. To completely shut Miami out. That was a huge point in the game. Very next play. 36 seconds left. Falcons have two timeouts. They're at their 20-yard line. Arthur Smith dials up a shot play to Kyle Pitts down the left sideline. 
Kyle Pitts comes up with that one-handed catch. They get pass interference, doesn't matter. He made the catch anyway. That play was whether or not the Falcons succeeded there depicted what the Falcons were going to do on that drive. That is a jumpstart the drive call or we're folding it in and we're going to take it into halftime with the lead. We just got some momentum on defense. Shut them out. Cool. You have to have a player that's capable of making just a one-on-one play when you throw a jump ball in order to even try something like that. And that is why I think the Falcons drafted him. I think they kind of understood where they were at with Julio. Julio's that type of player. I think we're seeing this season, maybe Calvin Ridley isn't, but having Kyle Pitts be in that position to go win just a one-on-one, man-on-man play and do it in spectacular fashion and then allow the Falcons to start moving down the field in a two-minute drill that ended in a field goal, which ended up being the difference in the game. Yep. That right there is all I needed to see from Kyle Pitts. I'm all in on him. I'm so excited that they have uh, another kind of generational playmaker on offense. Yes. You know, and I got I got to eat some crow here because I, you know, one of things you want to go ahead and scrub your Twitter. Like, no, I'm not scrubbing it. I'm leaving it there. I, I make mistakes. <laughs> We're human. I want yeah. Justin Fields, not because I don't think Matt Ryan is, you know, a generational yeah. talent and a Hall of Fame quarterback. I did too, for what it's I worth. I know he is, but I also know that Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, that works. I think, you know, just I thought Justin Fields. And Matt Ryan, that will work because given all our eggs for the Kyle Pitts thing, I, I, I just did, I felt like we were in a rebuild year and it wasn't a smart decision. But I was wrong. I was wrong. Falcons fans, I'll say it 10 <laughs> times. I was wrong. Kyle Pitts is the real deal. You should have taken the best play on the board and you did. And he's somebody that you can build around, especially, you know, with the absence of Julio, you needed a Kyle Pitts. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. I thought I mean, Fields wasn't going to contribute anytime soon. I thought that he was just so good in college and not that Matt Ryan feel like is losing a step, but eventually he will lose steps. And in three or four years, it would give us the option to have somebody step up. And um, Matt would probably slap me if he heard me even say this, but uh, <laughs> I, I thought that at some point we all get old and, and that's something that yeah. happened to him too. I was wrong. I mean, he doesn't look it so far. He again played really, really well, I thought. And yeah, a lot of people are going to point to that fumble kind of late in the game that really gave the Dolphins a chance. That's not Matt's fault. Sure, you can tell him to tuck the ball, but like I know in that that's position, okay. he's that, that's not necessarily what's kind of going through. He's trying to make a play. It's third down. I, I really don't think he felt anybody coming from his backside because it was, I believe, the right defensive end who really kind of like circled back. He overran Matt and circled back to kind of trail him. I just don't think Matt felt him, and I, I think he was trying to make a play. So I don't put that on him. But again, two touchdowns. For, for the umpteenth week in a row, uh, 336 yards. I mean, he looks, I think his decision-making is as good as I've ever seen it. And I think that as you progress later in your career as a quarterback, like that becomes the most important skill set. You can start to play that yeah. quick game. You can start to play the, the mind games of the defense and just know, okay, I have this half of the field shut. I know that I have these three options and if I don't have it, just throw it away, live to play another down. Like as you get older at quarterback and everything slows down for you, your mind becomes your greatest weapon. And as we saw in the Russell Gage touchdown throw, yep. you can still fling it 55 yards oh, if he needs that to. That made me feel good. And it made yeah, all it the Matt Ryan haters feel so bad <laughs> because they were like, Matt Ryan doesn't have an arm. Matt Ryan can't throw. <laughs> Matt Ryan can't do the deep ball. And then boom. Russell Gage was open and Matt got it there, you know, on a rope. It was, it, it, again, that's my guy. I'm obviously <laughs> biased. You know, I, I played four or five years with Matt and had a chance to, to watch him from a baby grow up into, you know, the, the 
guy he is now, and I want him to win. And he is showing us that if Tom Brady can do it, hey, why can't I? Not not He's Tom Brady, but as far as he can – I don't think he's on the downhill. I think he's still getting better because he's finding ways in his age and his experience and his wisdom, like you mentioned, a better decision maker, but some of the decisions that he doesn't make that really allows him to put us in a position to win. I think the leadership skills and the intangibles are things that that he's really uh, putting on display right now for a team that needs to find an identity, needs to find a culture, needs to bring uh, a new type of feeling to the locker room. Matt's doing all that, you know. So I, I'm really excited about what we got going on. I, I text some of the you know the, um, the guys on the staff that I still know to ask, like, you know, how, how is it on the inside? They're like, man, it's a different feeling uh dan quinn love him all the brotherhood stuff was great but yeah. this new feeling that we have in the locker room and on with the team it's it's the stuff that you win a uh, championship that's honestly one of my um biggest regrets about you know when uh my time with falcons ended when it did is because i was so curious to kind of see what the feel in the building would be like under a new regime and under a new yeah. um just just kind of the way the people run things like I I remember over the years DQ and and Thomas kind of installing different things within the building I remember they they kind of put in some uh balls so that you'd punch out to really enforce um stripping the football and creating turnovers and just like the little tiny nuances that the way you get your messaging across and what you allow in the lunchroom versus what you don't or, or all the little rules I really wanted to kind of see what what another staff would bring to the table in terms of that alas I uh, I didn't get a chance to see that, but um, I I agree. From those that I've I've still talked to, it is different, but it appears to be working on the field. Um, but you spent way more time around Matt Ryan than I ever did. I was fortunate enough to get to talk to him the few times um, that I did, both professionally and just kind of around the building. I don't think I, he's perpetually underrated for the intensity, competitiveness, intelligence, professionalism that he brings to this position. Uh, He is absolutely, people debate the tiers of quarterbacks. Matt Ryan is on the elite of the elite tier with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, um, you know, Russell Wilson, what have you, any of those quarterbacks who are extra prepared going into a game and can know everything a defense is throwing at them. I truly believe that Matt Ryan is up there from having it, seen it up close for several years um, and just from watching him throughout his career. I have no doubt that he's going to really play well, I think, this season and beyond. Um, but it was great to see him throw that deep pass. Obviously, he connected with Russell Gage, who has returned to the lineup, had that big play for the Falcons. I thought that was huge. Um, once again, just having more options to really unlock uh, and exploit what a defense brings to the table. His counterpart, Calvin Ridley, also caught a touchdown pass, uh, but it did come out in the week leading up to the game that he missed the Jets game. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported on Sunday that uh, the Falcons, I guess, allowed him to miss the the Jets game and a portion of the week prior due to mental health reasons. Um, So everybody, you know, I think wants to respect that if the team was willing to respect um, Calvin's request, you know, I, I feel like then we should as well. But missing a game that that's tough. He did bounce back. He he caught that touchdown pass, but I don't think it was the game a lot of people really expected from Calvin and we've yet to get that number 1 receiver type game from Calvin Ridley, 
although we've gotten two now from Kyle Pitts. So kind of what do you think now about Atlanta's kind of pecking order in terms of playmaker? And what do you think about uh, the report from Rappaport on Sunday about, you know, the mental health reasons? How would how would you feel as a member of the locker room about that? I feel a, a, a kind of way, but, you know, to answer your, your first question, uh, the pecking order now, it's, it's changed. There, there's been a shift in Kyle Pitts, at least in the last two games. One, Calvin really, you know, wasn't a part of and One, he was still trying to find himself. Uh, it still hasn't really found his his true self because I don't think we've seen Pete Calvin really. We saw him better when Julio was here. He was better as mm-hmm. a number two than he's showing us now as a number one, which is the problem. And Kyle Pitts is Matt Ryan's go-to, even when Calvin's back in the game. But but Calvin, um, you know, I'm, you got to be careful here because you can't tell tell the truth sometimes. But football is, is crass, and football is sometimes uh, really blunt. And, and football is a game where people don't care about your feelings. And with his mental health break, I'm glad that now football has evolved into a place to where we care about that. But there are players on that team. I know back in the day when I played 2003 to 2012, if I told somebody that I couldn't play a game and I was the only fullback, uh, we, we, I got to the Falcons in my last year with the Ravens, we'd only dress one fullback. If I told them, you know, on a Friday or Saturday for the game that I can't play because I need a mental health day, they would not only laugh me out the broom, laugh me out the stadium, laugh me out the facility, but laugh me on out the team. They, they would do all that quickly because just like when you're injured and you have a slight ankle sprain or you have, you know, uh, you know, your, your elbow hurts or you got a, a, a mm-hmm. sore back or whatever it is, and you don't find a way to fight through that to be there for your team, guys start calling you soft. Whether yeah. it's true or not, whether they know exactly what you're going through, you can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't, you know, kind of win or kind of lose. You, you win or you lose. You're on the field or you're not. The best ability is availability. And so it's a um, a unique thing because I know the, the Falcons uh, tight end, uh, Hayden Hurst, he's big on mental health. And I actually, yep. Uh, yep. I, I loved his story. I appreciate some of the stuff that he's done. So I'm not surprised that the Falcons took that seriously. And I applaud them for allowing him to uh, take time for himself and handle what he's doing. I'm just giving people the opposite point of view of there are not one or two, but there are multiple players there who still have that old old school mindset that are saying, I bet if I had a mental health day, they wouldn't let me do it. I bet if I had a mental health day, they wouldn't treat me like Calvin Ridley. And, And they're right. You know, because he is who he is, he probably got, you know, some select uh, uh, treatment. If there's especially these players said, hey, I have a mental health day. Um, I can't go. They're like, all right, good. Um, well, take some time off and don't come back. And that's yeah. the reality of, of, of the whole thing because... Unfortunately, it, yeah. You, got, you, you, you have to be able to play through things, uh, physically or mentally. Thank God, you know, we didn't need Calvin in order to win that game. But there are... Um, situations where I was definitely depressed during my rookie year. <laughs> I was getting beat up by Ray Lewis and Peter Boer and Bart Scott and Delius Thomas and you know, Ed Hartwell. And we had a uh, uh, Dion. <laughs> like a walk on at that point. It, it, it was, it was, Oh my gosh, my body hurts. Even thinking about it. <laughs> I would 
that cry? No, I didn't cry, but tears went down my eyes sometimes because I just felt like I couldn't get it right. That's, that's crying. That's the, what crying is, Ovi. Yeah, 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 true. This is true. <laughs> but, but if I would have said in my rookie season, Coach, I need a mental health day, I think the, the laughter that would they say, like, get this, get this. Ovi wants a mental <laughs> health day because he's depressed or going through anxiety or panic attacks. And guys around the league do that. So, again, this isn't a, a bash Calvin really and his decision. This is just saying that the NFL has come a long way from to where this wouldn't even be considered uh, a decade ago to where now he has the luxury of doing this. And, you know, the extra luxury of being an elite player to where not that they take, that they take this seriously, but that, where he's allowed the opportunity to do that. So, you know, hats off to the organization. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him and hope that he, he gets through what he's going through. I'm glad that he was honest because, frankly, him doing this could get somebody else to be open and honest with their situation uh, that could prevent something bad from happening. So uh, I- I'm glad that he did that, but he still needs to find a way to get back and be elite because at the end of the day, elite cares about production. Yes, yes, it does. And there's a, there's a lot there. I do think that hopefully it does um, allow other players maybe – to feel like they can step up and, and say things if they need to. You know, we saw Carl Nassib come out as kind of the first openly gay player to play in the NFL currently. He's really killing it for the Raiders so far this season. I mean, the more players kind of start to normalize, I think, what are larger social issues, the more we will see things, I think, pivot in, in a new direction for the NFL. I don't know if I would use the word um, luxury to kind of, I get what you're saying, whereas he, he felt like he was able to um, come out and express himself. but if somebody's dealing with a, a real mental health issue, I'm, I'm sure that that's uh, really can be scary for that individual. And I, and I feel bad because, um, you know, I, I don't feel bad because a part of our job is to be objective and, and to call things out. And Calvin Ridley's being paid to be a professional NFL player. He's paid to produce. If he's not producing, we are obligated to say so. I mean, that that's why you guys are here listening to us. But for any role that, that I have played in, in kind of adding to that, that mental pressure or whatever, um, you know, I, I feel bad about that. But the big thing I think with that we're learning as a society is really just the science on on the brain, on mental health, on memory, on just everything kind of involved in our heads is is a lot further behind than a lot of other science. I mean, and it's a, it's another thing too to see somebody's ankle sideways or their knee yeah. completely out of place. You That's can see that happen and you understand that pain. You you can kind of empathize with it when somebody like, you know, this Ovi, if a dude has kind of like a hamstring issue at, at kind of like maybe the worst part of conditioning or just a nagging thing that uh, that he keeps kind of saying is is flaring up at, at convenient times, you're going to start looking at that dude sideways yep. like, come on, man, really? Like right now? Right now is when the hamstring yeah. acted up. You, you're good for the games, but practice, you can't go. Right. Exactly. But it, it's he can get away with it because you can't see it. And I think that there's a little bit of that going on here where we, unless you are Calvin Ridley or unless you are somebody dealing with a mental health situation, you don't necessarily know what that feels like. I've never, I've been fortunate enough to never have to deal with that. So I I can't really put myself in his shoes. You just kind of have to act on good faith that that's what it was. Um, I worry that maybe you know, worst case scenario, there are situations where that gets taken advantage of, but we're a long way away from that. And I think it's best to operate in good faith um, for the sake of any individual's health. Um, Let's get back to football, though. How about that? (laughs) So 
Um, let's yeah. let's switch let's switch over to the the defensive side. Um, we we just kind of mm. talked about offense. I think Deion Jones and Foye Luakan are really really kind of coming into their own. They are both in the top eleven in tackles in the NFL, despite playing one less game than a lot of the players uh, ahead of them and around them on that list. What did you see from the defense? Shaky, I think, from the defensive line. Secondary's banged up, but overall, what what was your evaluation of their performance? I um was a little bit disappointed in that I thought that we were trying starting to come on when it comes to the pass rush. I'm seeing, you know, ooh. Ooh, ooh, like some guys mm-hmm. some flashes, some guys not named Dante Fowler are, are, are getting to the quarterback. I'm like, we got something. And Dean Pease is dialing things up that's making us unpredictable. But uh, against the Dolphins, they're the, they were uh, even ninth most sacks a season to opposing teams. Yep. And the Falcons couldn't take advantage of that. I, I just feel like they're a team that was vulnerable, and we were primed and ready to do something big, and we couldn't really get through it. And Foyer and Dion. They they flew around like, as always. Now again, there was like, Dion got his uh, ankles broke by two one time. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was ugly, but it, those things happen. I just want our defense to not give quarterbacks all day to throw the ball, and that's going yeah. to hurt us when we play quarterbacks that have more skill than Tua. And Tua's good. I, he exposed us and was going through our defense. Even though you know AJ Terrell, uh, him being back is uh, uh, great for us because he's. One of the uh, the best DBs I think I think in the league right now, uh, but I, I just feel like our defense is still holding us back from um, us truly being a playoff caliber team. I'm not even talking about Super Bowl or championship. I want to be playoff caliber. We sneak into the playoffs this year. I'm excited. That's not going to happen unless our defense gets better. Ovi, you know what I'm going to get you for Christmas? Uh, I'm going to go back throughout Atlanta radio history and Pass find Russia. every clip of somebody saying X bad quarterback is good the week after they play the Falcons as a justification for why the Falcons lost Tua Tagovailoa is is fine he's fine he like we don't know if he's good yet we don't know if he's bad yet he's at this point just kind of an average Mendoza line of a quarterback he can have good games he can have bad games quarterbacks like that always have a good game against the Falcons and I I think that I really liked so Deion Jones responsible for the one um, sack. I, I think we saw Dean Pease say coming out of the bye week in the week leading up to, to the Dolphins game that they did have to scale back the defensive playbook a little bit because they had to install a lot of it from scratch for this defense. I take it as a good sign uh, and and a little bit of a sign that maybe Dion, the leader of your defense, is picking up on this scheme faster than maybe others, which is why I think we're seeing him utilize Deion Jones in more variety of ways than some of the other players on this defense. I think we're seeing Richie Grant uh, kind of be used in some interesting ways as well. Um, maybe not as effectively, but I think that's at least promising that that he's starting to get more involved. But I completely agree with you. They, you got to get some pressure on the opposing quarterback. And the thing that I noticed in watching this game, because they let the lead slip away in that fourth yeah. quarter. They totally did. That's on the defense. What's weird about offense and defense, right, is, is the matter of urgency. It, you, have, you have no choice but to be urgent on offense when the yeah. situation calls for it. When you're down three with a minute 15 left on the clock at your 20-yard line, you cannot afford to do anything but play like your hair is on fire. It's the exact opposite for defense. 
Get you're up field. 20 to 20 yeah. to 13. You're you're kind of like, hey, I'm good. We or you're up two touchdowns. You you yeah. can kind of say, just don't let them score a touchdown, but we can oh. give up yards. Ghosting, the, bend and don't break. But the urgency that yes. other defenses had where they're like, get off the field. The field is hot. Get off yeah. the field. We want to get off three the, and out, six and out. Let's get off the gosh darn field. Yep. That urgency doesn't seem to quite be there. I mean, Miles Gaskins, who, who <laughs> he's not even I, I didn't know who he was. I, I Miles Gaskin. I heard something about, you know, he hasn't been doing as well as the Dolphins wanted. And their run game wasn't where it needs to be. He was out there running the ball. He was out there, you know, uh, uh, you know, knifing through our defense and getting yards and falling forward and having positive gains. I'm like, what's wait, wait, wait. Emmett Smith, uh, who's Barry Sanders? <laughs> who's this guy? Just like we make quarterbacks yeah. look good. We make running backs at times look good. And they're not anything special the rest of the time. But against us, you know, we got stat lines from Miles Gaskin and, and showing off the fact that we can't stop the people we need to stop. And again, it's not a bash Falcons defense session, but it's a demanding better and continual growth from a team that, or a side of the ball defense that has potential because we've seen them uh, do some really impressive things uh, against the Giants and against other teams. And again, I know these aren't world beaters, <laughs> But we make them world beaters when we play them. I, I want to, just like we saw with the offense, it wasn't pretty at times, but it was progress. And it showed us moving in the right direction when it comes to finding ways to build on our small successes. Before you know, building on small successes gets us to the third, fourth quarter of the season, and we're humming. Like, we're coming to our own. They're, they're Seahawks teams and Packers teams that <laughs> yeah. look trash or look average as hell beginning of the season and then playoff time it's like you always know they're going to be hitting on all cylinders they're going to be you know together clicking and dangerous uh i see no reason why we can't especially i I tweeted about this the the braves they were below 500 the most uh, yeah dude the hawks the hawks before them yeah the hawks this is the season of the atlanta average. average team Becoming great. Teams in Atlanta have shown they can get into championship situations. So why not us? Why not now? But it ain't going to happen this week or next week if we don't keep on putting small wins and stacking on top of it. Don't forget what you did last week and the week before that. Build on top of that. So I need the defense especially to do that. And because Deion Jones and Foyer, they're the heartbeat of our um, defense. You know, literally, they're right there in the middle. They're that heartbeat. They're making the phone, the, the, they're making the calls, and they're getting everyone lined up. And they're giving the, I think, the intensity, the passion, the grit. Uh, they're showing people this is how we're going to play. And I need them to continue to step it up. Again, they're the best we have on defense, but I need them to do some Pro Bowl type stuff. Like, like show me against some better offenses that you're shutting people down, that you're snagging more interceptions, that you're getting these sacks, that you're getting guys lined up, that you're making the right audibles, and that we're putting our offense in a great spot because, shoot, this defense is now the leader of the, of the team. It's probably not having, never happened with Matt Ryan here, but, you know, push for that. I, I want to see that happen with our defense. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's what it takes for this team, I think, really to become more than average is the other side of the ball starts to become uh, a true asset instead of um, becoming more of a liability. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Hawks fired their coach midseason, turned yes. around, went to the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Braves are in the World Series. I forgot that. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, man, Lloyd Pierce, just gone. Nate McMillan put in. Oh. They go on a run. I mean, it's the Atlanta this year in sports has been like uh, a, a, a girl you like in senior year goes to college, comes back after a freshman year of college in the summer, and you got to like roll the window down as you're driving by and, and take a second look. Like, man, that's what it's got to be. Please marry that's, me. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, what, Miss. What's Miss. up? Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, that, so that's that's what we've got to see from the Falcons. And if there's any year to do it, it's it's this year. But yes, no so one far, expects I mean, anything from us. We have zero no. expectations, a little expectations, but very little expectation <laughs> because this is a rebuilding year for the majority right. of Falcon fans. So if we sneak into the playoffs. And once we're there, like, you know, footloose, fancy free. Just Bring the ball, run the ball, call trick yeah. plays. We might win the first game. Why am I in the next game? Shoot, we might be a game away from the Super Bowl. We might sneak in like the Braves. Why not us? Well, not let us? me give you uh, let me give you a reason why, Ovi, as, okay. I, as I love to do. <laughs> There's several reasons um, why. <laughs> so Falcons are three and three. Uh, all three of their wins have come by a combined twelve points, and against teams who are combined four and sixteen this season. So, wow! Uh, close wins against bad teams. Uh, not exactly the recipe that that one looks for when uh, kind of projecting out a potential playoff team. But you could make the argument that they had a lot of self inflicted wounds in at least two of those games. I mean, you you had the uh, Jets game; they ended up winning, but still had some some uh, fumbles there in the second half and almost let that slip away. And then last week, I mean, some mistakes and didn't get everything perfectly, but Still ended up winning. I mean, so they're finding ways to win games late, which is certainly a big recipe for starting to find a run. I mean, building wins, as you said, stacking momentum buys you that time to get things figured out. Like the worst place is to, to be is when you're Dan Campbell and the Lions. And it's kind of like you're so close, but you keep losing. Ooh. And so the clock then starts ticking. If you're winning oh. and it's close, You've got way more flexibility. You've got more buy-in. The fan base is willing to wait and see. They sit here like Ovi and start talking themselves into being one game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yes. there are reasons to be excited, but maybe we should tamp the brakes a little bit. What, where is this team? No, you tamp the brakes. You can temper things. I'm not tempering <laughs> things. I'm going to stay excited because guess what? A win is a win is a gosh darn win. And as a player, I don't care. In week 12, if week three's loss was by 50 points or, or five points, it's still a win. <laughs> and right now, we need to put ourselves into wild card. Yeah, I'm, I'm already talking about the wild card. Uh, it's a wild card playoff position, and these wins count because I don't think they do. That they do. This is college football. This is the NFL football. The style of play, the way we won, you know, how we won <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Great point. And, Great and point. so, I, I think that if we can just keep on sneaking by, again, for the psyche and for the soul and for the, the fan named Ovi, you know, big blowout wins gives me peace and happiness and joy. But have you been watching the Falcons the last couple of years? <laughs> a win, an ugly win, a nasty, gritty, grimy, shouldn't have won, but we won win is something that the Falcons fans should celebrate because this doesn't happen often. Uh, I, I was trying to, I saw it. It flashed by my my um my eyes on a screen like the last time the Falcons were even 500 was years ago, years I believe. 
But I, I, I don't think it, it's been a while. Like, like through like through six games or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The fact, the fact, yeah. Uh, being 500 through six games, it's been a long, long, long Probably time. 2017, 2016. Yeah, because we're, yeah. we're owing this and owing that and owing a whole lot of losses. So I'm, I'm taking solace in this. I, I am, you know, definitely going to pick apart the offense and the defense, and you know, not not Kyle, not Kyle Pitts, like not picking him apart. <laughs> He's good. Yeah, you say leave that. him alone. Good. Yeah, put him over here. Good. Yep. <laughs> Kyle Pitts can sit over there and be happy. Now the rest of the team, let's. Let's talk to y'all and figure out what the heck's going on. Um, yeah, even Matt Ryan fumbled the ball for no right reason. If this was a good team, we would have lost that. How would he feel going to the locker room and losing because he wants to try and, you know, be uh, whoever, I was going to say Michael Vick, but poor taste because people don't like to compare those people. But, you know, um, Matt Ryan doesn't have wheels. He doesn't have legs. And whenever he tries to run, bad things happen. Uh, but still, we have a lot of room to grow and a lot of time to to grow uh, with that. I think Saints are beatable. Uh, Jameis has shown yeah. that that first five touchdown game was not uh, going to be consistent Jameis. Like, Jameis is still Jameis. Uh, he'll give the ball away. Uh, the Saints don't have it all together. The Panthers, surprisingly, I thought they were going to you know run through everything. They don't have I their stuff too. together. They, 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 they started with 3-0, right? They started by, yeah. you know, came out the the barn just taking names and kicking butt. And now the Panthers and the Saints are beatable. The Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay, but absolutely be number two in this division. And that's a possibility. I didn't think when we were losing games against the <laughs> Eagles early on in the season. So I'm excited. I'm in a good mood. I think that we have some good things that are going to be ahead of us. Hopefully the Falcons will maybe eat these words like they have in the past. <laughs> but um, imagine if we won against the Washington football team. Imagine if we won that game. Imagine, you know, how people would be, be losing big. their shit yep. right now. They'd be like, you know what? Forget playoffs. Super Bowl. Super Bowl Falcons. Yeah. Goes yeah. to the Super Bowl. Cal Pitts. New Julio <laughs> times. T.O. times. Ocho C. Like, we'd be on cloud nine. And we're still pretty pretty happy because a lot of Falcons fans, including me, um, look at that as a win. Like, we could have won that. We should have won that. I know we didn't win that. You are your record. But, like, for all sets of purposes, we played well enough to win that yep. Washington game. And so, you know, we're it's in a, a good spiritual spot, four and two, man. That's what I yeah, that's what go. I said last week. Yep. <laughs> Felt I'm like a spiritual win. three and two. It's a spiritual four and two now, even though we're we're at three and three. I but I, I do really think there is a path here to uh win these next two games, which is again reason to be optimistic because there's a huge difference between losing games you should win and winning games that you feel like you could have lost. And this, just the change in the psyche, the change yeah. you in, in your approach is very different. And all you have to do is kind of just keep plugging along and keep doing the little things. And eventually those close wins, one turns into a blowout. Then you start stringing on a couple that are by 10 points. And then, you know, these, these field goal or two point wins are now touchdown wins, which is really hard in the NFL, like to get, to that level consistently but the falcons are at least on the right side of that coin and like you said i mean panthers have now lost four in a row they benched sam darnold last week and so that, yeah you're getting another team that's coming off of a week with somewhat of a, con a quarterback controversy i mean I, I know that didn't seem to affect uh Tua too much in the game but nope. maybe it'll affect sam darnold differently who knows and then the next week if 
the biggest reason I'm giving the Falcons the edge, well, really, it's two reasons against the Saints. One, Kyle Pitts. They'll have never seen Kyle Pitts before. Just a different animal. How do you cover him? Calvin Ridley also has a history of just roasting um, the Saints as well. So you got to look out for that. But then Terry Fontenot, dude, responsible for bringing a lot of those players veteran guys on that defense to New Orleans. You think he doesn't know what their strengths and weaknesses are? I mean, he's going to be able to sit there and get with Arthur Smith and say, all right, here are the five things Demario (laughs) Davis is below average at. Like, go make him do this. He doesn't want to do it. You know, he doesn't want to do it. So I know that type of stuff. Like, like not only Terry Fontenot, but, you know, uh, the players. So, like, I remember when I went from the Ravens to the Falcons, and I had to play the Ravens and uh, all the big scary guys. Uh, the Ray Lewis, uh, Peter Boyer <laughs> had retired, but it was Ray yeah. Bart Scott. I think Ed Hartwell may have still be on the team, but Ray and Bart Scott and Terrell Suggs. Those guys, I knew them inside. Now I knew they would say, <laughs> "Hey, Obi, don't be getting low or don't hit me on that right side." You know, I'm not good with my right side. Yeah. So I played them. I knew all their stuff, but they knew some of my <laughs> stuff too. I wasn't as much of an open book, but they like to talk a lot, and they had more. Uh, you know, film time or game time. So they had more film to look at. And it was just so much fun to fully <laughs> take advantage of, you know, don't cut me. I hate when you cut me. I was cutting them like crazy. I, that you know, has to be the number one thing. Oh, it was just it was don't, great. Don't knock me down and make me have to get up after every single play and chase a tackle. It's like that worst. would be Even just up downs. That stuff. I think yeah. they, they curbed that a little bit with a couple of rules now uh, where offensive linemen can't cut as much. But uh, back in the day, like these small things that you know about the opposing team, they help you win games. And Terry Fontenot, like you mentioned, knows several small things about several players that will give us a slight edge, as it may, but still an edge. And as you've seen these games, they come down to the wire. They come down to small little things, little plays, uh, details that uh, determine whether you win or lose or you lose. So I, I think that it, we're in a good position, but man, we beat the Dolphins. It wasn't pretty, but we beat the Dolphins. <laughs> that I just feel so good about that. I, I was like I said, yeah. I was watching it the last second, as I, I told you in the beginning, and I was not sure we would come back. Kyle Pitts caught some huge throws at the, um, you know, for that last drive, huge throws in the corner and got out of bounds. Like he's playing like a vet, playing like a grown man. All the times we were. Yelling at him, hey, hey, we drafted you number four overall. Hey, you're the highest taken, uh, highest picked tight end in NFL history. Hey, you got to do it now. I know <laughs> yeah. you're trying to ease into things and you're a rookie, but don't be a rookie this year. Be a rookie later. He well, heard that's that's the exciting part, right? Is like he's already doing this now yeah. and his head has got to be swimming. I mean, oh, yeah. like you're learning new to every so like installs each week by the time you're in your third, fourth year. I mean, second year probably as well. You, you're just kind of like, yep, I got this play. Like, I know we haven't practiced in a while, but like, I remember this from this specific game or this time we used it. Each install for him, there's probably a, a handful of, of plays or wrinkles that he's never seen before. And then he takes that out on the field and he has practiced it for the first time and kind of like learn the little nuances. You're sitting here saying, hey, I knew if I hit Ray Lewis, which is the coolest sentence I think I've ever said to another human being who's actually had that thought. Um, <laughs> I knew if I hit Ray Lewis you know, on, on his left yeah. hip, that, that that was where he had that surgery a couple of years ago, and it might, it might yep. just hurt him a little bit more. That You got to build a Rolodex in your brain 
for that to be the case. And that takes time. And for Kyle Pitts to just be doing this now, he had 163 yards. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. And it's six we excited. games. We had like 112. We had 100 and something um, yeah. last game. We were all, yo, oh, 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 Kyle Pitts is the greatest. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Now, now he's just being silly. Now he's just showing off. It's, this is too much, Kyle. We, we get it. So showing off. That's that's the number one reason to believe why um, the Falcons really can be even more than they what they've been so far. Because I, I mean, to my my point is like if we've ju- if he's only going to continue to learn and grow and get more comfortable, I we have no idea where his ceiling is. That's not to no. say that it's it's nowhere because nobody's is nowhere but i mean i mean he really could be a truly exceptional talent which is exciting but if we're going to give credit to anybody and i apologize that it's even taken us this long to to mention him for the falcons three and three record so far it's got to be young way Koo. i mean he's i know i know that people love to hit on kickers love to hit on punters special teams for reasons that i completely understand i get it but when your guy is actually like bankable 100%, which has been what Young Way has been so far this season, is perfect. He's yeah. an asset. It, it's kind of like a kicker's either a vulnerability who you hate and don't trust or the greatest asset that you can have on your team because the Falcons have, quite frankly, won you know two of their three games because of Young Way Koo. Uh, and so we just got to give him a little bit of love. No, you got to give him a lot of bit of love. Uh, he's so cool. <laughs> Young Way Koo. <laughs> He, he he's somebody who I did not think, and not that we've forgotten about him, but I did not think we'd be able to move past Matt Bryant. Money Matt was the kicker, right? The majority yeah. of the time I was there, and Money Matt Bryant was so money. He was just you know gruff and grim and had like, you know a little dry humor <laughs> around his fishing all. guy, but, you know, big fishing guy, a nice guy. He had like a, a million kids. Uh, his wife, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but Money Matt Bryant was was also automatic, you know, but. He didn't doesn't have the range young way Koo does, and the Falcons are always looking to go cheaper and younger. And I was like, yeah, but don't do that at the kicker. Old kickers and the Morton Anderson of the world, they're fine mm-hmm. because they can still kick. And you know, yeah. distance, who cares about that? Let's just make sure he makes it, you know, 40 and below. Young Way Koo has been so good to where people haven't missed Matt Bryant, who was an amazing, amazing kicker. I know. For us. Yeah. And he's given us the ability to do Matt Bryant's stuff a little bit farther out and still be confident that 48, no problem. 52, we got it. 54, <laughs> let's line up. You know, so that's that's a kicker that the Falcons are lucky to have. There are teams who don't have that confidence in their kicker and have missed kicks and have lost games. And uh, as a player who's not a kicker, having the kicker lose the game for you is the most frustrating thing because can't do anything about it like you're yeah you have to yeah. sit there and just watch and kneel with your helmet or hold somebody's hand that you yep. don't want to hold and just pray that <laughs> the kicker doesn't just erase yeah quarters and quarters you know minutes and minutes of you fighting clawing hitting bleeding you know yeah. just give you your broke all. your finger and yes yep. just for the kicker to be like whoops i missed it wide left or whoops missed it wide right or i missed like that was a spot-on Matt Bryan impression. <laughs> you don't get to do that. I'm I just kidding, get, everybody. You don't get to mess up a game where players bled and gave all this effort to, like, you, your effort is a, ah, just uh, a kick, and that's that's your <laughs> effort, and 
yes, it is very unique and it's very intricate and takes a lot of skill. I, I recognize that. But as far as just the physicality of what you do, the physicality of what everyone else has done, you got to get that job done. You got to make that <laughs> kick. And Young Way Koo is making those kicks. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, but Young Way Koo, man, he's a he's a badass MFer as well, dude. Oh, he's yeah. going down on kickoffs, making tackles, just yeah. banging some onside kicks uh, like nobody's business. So, uh, and, and also uh, Squid Game, Squid Game kind of hammered this home for me because uh, DQ Dan Quinn and a lot of the coaches uh, that I would talk to and, and players would always refer to Young Way Koo as Koo Young Way. And the first really? couple of times I heard it, I was like, does does DQ not know? His name, or it just kind of <laughs> who's on like the struck, team? Yeah, it just struck me the wrong way because I was like, I looked at the roster. I'm like, no, it's Young Way Koo. Uh, but watching Squid Game, I realized that um, Korean, you say the the family name, the last name first, and then the oh. first name comes second, and it's hyphenated. So I believe, you know, I, I don't know this for oh. sure, but I believe in Korean, his name would be Koo, and then Young Dash Way. So that I think that is interesting. That's kind of cool, right? So in America, yeah. you know, in yeah, English, cool. it's Young Way Koo. But yeah, so there you know. <laughs> Leave it to Squid Game to teach you something about your uh, football player. Yeah, come for come for the Battle Royale and stay for the uh, uh, English <laughs> lesson. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ovi. Uh, so the, the Saints will be playing tonight. Uh, we can, we're about to hop off and go watch them. They're taking on the Seattle Seahawks. If the Saints lose, they will drop 2-3-3 three, and three with the same record as the Falcons. I believe right now they kind of hold the tiebreaker. None of that matters. It just means the Falcons are completely in play for the division. It's, it's wide open at this point. Now, obviously, Tampa is kind of running away with a lot of things, and their schedule doesn't really get any harder. So it looks like they're just going to steamroll to the division like everybody expected. But getting some wins against the Panthers and the Saints, who one of those two teams, you have to believe, are at least going to be in the mix kind of come the end of the year. Getting a win early on them and getting a leg up in those oh. tiebreaker scenarios is massive. So it's I think huge. the next two games are huge. We'll talk a lot more specifically about the Falcons Panthers game on uh, our Friday podcast. Yep. But do you have any thoughts just uh, before we get out of here uh, about where the Falcons are, where they could go and what you expect them to do? I'm just glad, glad uh, uh, run CMC uh, uh, that he, he's not <laughs> going to terrorize us like he has in the past. I, I just thank the Lord above that. We don't have to see that man. <laughs> he's so good. So yeah. very good. No, I think we have a chance, and that's the exciting thing. Uh, after the first couple of games, I didn't think we had a chance against these teams because they were, wow, just take it off. So uh, all I got to say is that the Falcons are not dead yet. We we yeah. have a heartbeat. We have a, a flame that's not gone out. We we have something special that's in this city that's swirled around these sports teams that might just take a small trip down the flowery branch and reside amongst the team known as the Atlanta Falcons. So I hope all those chop on Braves and those Atlanta Hawks and all the uh, you know great mojo that's going around the city can end up in the Falcons locker room because it would be really exciting to have something magical occur this season. Now I know we don't, I don't say we don't deserve it, but I say I know it's not something that logically should happen. 
But why not us? And why not now, William? Keep on saying it. I think you said it best when uh, you said we're we're a Washington loss away from uh, from having won four straight. And I mean, if if that had happened, this uh, the Falcons would be right there being talked about as one of the hottest teams. Uh, I think that they could have very well won that Washington game. It doesn't mean that they are one of the hottest teams. It doesn't mean that they're they're not. All it means is that they're finding ways to win games, which (laughs) this time last year is all we could have actually hoped for. And that's progress, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So thank you all for listening. Today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, Let your friends know. Let them know where they can hear us, which is anywhere they get their podcasts, uh, and they can hear Ovi's great insights into what it's like to be a player in the NFL. What what makes a team really think that it could be the year and what gets them to check out? And you can hear me ask him the questions that bring him those <laughs> insightful answers. So, Which is very uh, riveting. There you go. So uh, let everybody know. Thank you guys so much. Falcons won again. They're three and three. This is a great time. Go Braves. Go Braves. Go Braves. Let's win a World Series. Let's yeah. get some parades and floats and I know a couple of Braves players. So I'm going to give them a phone call. Hey, hey, show, show me some inter-game uh, 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 love and let's uh, go hang out and grab a beer or two to celebrate. It'd be amazing. We won a World Series here. It'd be yeah, just a constant party all the way to the Falcons Super Bowl. Why not? If they win. So what you're saying is that you can get Freddie Freeman to come on the podcast after they oh, win. That's, that's what you're saying? Yeah, right. absolutely. Cool. I got Freddie Sell. <laughs> I'll give we'll set up in the locker room right after uh, after game four when they sweep yes. them. We'll we'll set up there and then we'll get the guys to come by. It'll be like a car wash uh, radio situation. So, good. <laughs> all right, that's it for us, everybody. Uh, as always, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.